Hey y'all, this is producer James and Kitty Kaboom, and we are talking in black and white. But yeah, I mean, you you enjoy a little, uh, you know, a little cannabis from time to time, and I, I myself enjoy it as well. I mean, no, no, what no, are some... No, 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 speak for yourself, and let me tell you what I enjoy. <laughs> okay, well then, go for it, go, go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. Tell me, tell like me. a little from time to time, like it's a little drinky drink, and, and <laughs> like we're in the prohibition ages. No, bruh, that's not accurate. I'm a daily cannabis user, a proud daily cannabis user. Uh, so let me let's let's start that off then. Let's say, uh, well, oh, okay, all right, Kitty. Um, I'm not a uh, as far as what cannabis goes and stuff like that. I, I enjoy mostly the edibles. Um, that's all I really kind of consume. I don't do the smoke or any, uh, smoking or anything like that, just because you know I've got the kids and stuff like that, and it leaves us kind of like leaves, leaves a little stench. So I'm more into the gummies and all that kind of stuff. And again, I only do it occasionally. Now, like, what are your you know what are your cannabis habits? First of all. I rebuke the word stench. I love the smell. Okay, let's get into that. <laughs> Secondly, I provide your edibles. So I know how much That's true, you, you do, which is very rare. And you need to, I personally am a cannabis user daily. I use cannabis every single day. I started smoking way before I should have, but we'll just, it is what it is. I was 13. <clears throat> and the funny thing about uh, the weed is that Initially, when I smoked, like as a teenager and even a young adult, there was a lot of like, it was a destination for me, you know, so like uh -huh. getting turned up, getting high, getting drunk. That was like where I wanted to be. And when, when, when is the time for that? You know, that's what I was more concerned with. And now having worked in the field a little bit, I've learned so much about the plant and just what it does and how to break it down and the strains and so forth that now it's way more of a tool. Um, I've shared many times that I have depression and anxiety, and it is super helpful for those things, um, as well as insomnia sometimes. I go to bed at like 4 in the morning, <laughs> so sometimes. So last night was 3.30. So yeah, the cannabis helps me sleep. I don't like wake up in the middle of the night all the time. So my point is that I'm way more, uh, I feel like I'm more mature with this plant now. I understand it, so mm -hmm. I use it in a more constructive way. But yeah, that's an everyday thing. Today is a, is a special treat here on our on on talking in black and white. We've got actually two people who are actually in the industry and have their own dispensaries. Now that's pretty exciting. I agree. It's very exciting, and I just am really excited more than anything to learn about how they decided. Especially since we have two women. Big ups to the two women. Let's get into that, okay? I love that. This is a male-dominated industry, as are most, unfortunately. And this, the fact that two women are rising to the top of this industry and not only making a name for themselves but making a living at it is a beautiful thing. Let's introduce our amazing once again women overused no not at all lauren is running things over at artistry here in los angeles they're located in west hollywood and i just found out they have a lounge so i'm gonna have to check that out that is so cool um and saida is right down the street from me not too far from sherman oaks i believe in van nuys and the name of her dispensary is bud dega i mean it's all one word Bodega. but you gotta say it like that and i love that it's a play on words of bodegas in new york city hi ladies Hi. Hello. It's wonderful to virtually meet you. We cannot wait to learn more about what it is that you do specifically, like when you're day to day and just like the challenges and the crazy stuff that goes on in your industry, which I'm sure you guys both have many, many stories. So, um, Lauren, can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and, and the artistry? Yeah. So um, I'm actually a lawyer and I started my professional career as an attorney in L.A. Um, and in 20, 2009, I got into the cannabis industry. So I was looking to change careers. I wanted to actually become a pastry chef and I started making edibles for one of my friends who had a dispensary in LA um, and it went well. So I actually started an edible company in L.A. and was supplying to many, many dispensaries in the area. Um, and I did that all the way into until 2018. So when things got legalized for adult use, I partnered up with a couple other people and created the Artistry brand. And the Artistry is all built around promoting local artists. So our title's a play on words too, with uh, the words, you know, artist and then tree. 
um, like the word artistry, oh, but then tree for, yeah, tree for weed. And, you know, we had been in the industry in the medical realm for a long time operating dispensaries. So when we created this brand, we really wanted it to be different, but also to give back to the community and our stores are actually art galleries in addition to dispensaries. So that means that we have a lot of art on display and it's all by local artists and they sell their artwork. So the sale proceeds go to the artists. We don't take any kind of commission as a business. Um, we have five stores now um, and we change the art out every few months. So we give a lot of local artists the opportunity to showcase their works. And then we recently also opened a consumption lounge in West Hollywood. Um, and in that space, it's a really fun environment where people can come and consume and we have a lot of programming. So it's really about creating this community gathering space. And we have things like art classes, we have comedy nights every Thursday, we have live music on the weekend, we do drag brunches. Um, so we're really doing a lot of different things to make cannabis seem like a more normalized part of the culture here. That is sexy as fuck. <laughs> I love all of that. Y'all know, how listen, I'm a lot of things. I'd like to think I'm a bit multifaceted and art, reading, Culture is all a part of my makeup. I'm so grateful that my mom dragged me to every museum you can imagine. And we're from DC, so the Smithsonian's is always a thing, bookstores. I live in bookstores. So I am so, like my endorphins are going crazy over here just thinking about coming over to the artistry and taking part in that. I would love to be stoned and just look at art. Are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing. I am so down. I can't wait. Yeah. To yeah. It there's this like I, I love what you said earlier kind of about you know cannabis being it, it's a culture and a community more than anything else you know it's not I don't like it to be an industry or this formal thing and there's such a natural tie-in between artists and cannabis and people using it for creative inspiration or people using it to enhance their own experience when they're viewing art like you just said or when they're going to a concert um, so we really wanted to highlight that. And like I said, like kind of open people's eyes that maybe aren't frequent consumers to say like, this is a really great way to supplement what you're already doing and to bring light to all of the creative things going on in LA. Yeah, because we will enhance anything. It's very true <laughs> what they say. I would much rather eat a burger after smoking a blunt than not. So yes. I love that you've taken it a step farther and you're right, normalizing it and making it not such a stigma is so, so important, right? But even better, the fact that you're embracing community and that's not to stereotype and say that like business folks don't get high. Who's to say, I'm sure they do come in in their suits and get down. But at the end of the day, like I find that, like I've written a literally a short movie off of a really good strain one time. I did some Snoop Dogg shit and could not put the pen down. So I know what that feels like. <laughs> Very rewarding, you know? Feels amazing. Like, oh, how dare they say I'm a slacker. Saida, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, please tell us all about your dispensary and how did you got, get into the biz? So a little about the dispensary. Um, I just want to clarify some stuff first off. Um, I'm actually not the owner of the dispensary. I just currently manage one of the locations in North Hollywood. Don't say but, um, Don't minimize yourself. <laughs> but to but to clarify, I will say this: um, our CEO and our chairwoman is a woman, and she's dominating the game right now, and yes. she's moving up, and it's amazing. So shout out to Katie Fields doing her thing. All um, right. <laughs> but a little bit about uh, me getting into the industry. So I entered the cannabis industry around 2014. I started as a bud tender, you know, working my way up working in trap shops before, you know, it was truly legalized where we had legal shops and then uh, eventually working my way into corporate cannabis, getting into legal shops. Once I got into the legal shops and the legal side of it, I started to educate myself on the product coming into the shop because I mean, we want to know what we're consuming, right? We just don't want to consume anything. So I started educating myself on that. The more education I felt, I felt like I could go and, you know, expand my knowledge to other people and work my way up in the industry. So I started applying for higher positions, you know, management, assistant management. Um, after eventually working my way up, I ended up at Bodega Dispensary, 
awesome brand new dispensary. We've honestly only been open for about six months, uh, the location I work at. We have another location in Westwood and we're opening up another one uh, soon in Hollywood. So we're expanding out here. The great business, a little bit about the shop is, you know, it's a different experience. We want people to come into the shop and not treat it like a dispensary, more so like a shopping experience. Everything is out on the floor, you know, where you can grab it and kind of sniff and see what you're going to buy and just, you know, see the products. But most importantly, we strive to educate our staff to educate the customers on what they're buying and, you know, what's special about it and, you know, different selling points and stuff like that to just excite the customers. And, you know, we want them to come back and, you know, buy our stuff and get more education on the products that they're consuming because that's very important for people to know. Absolutely. So you feel like your shop focuses a lot on education and making sure that people um, understand what they're consuming and how much THC as opposed to CBD and all that is in the product? Absolutely. Absolutely. All of our bud tenders, all of our leads, all of our staff is well-trained, you know, on any questions that any customer would just throw at us. You know, we have different people with different strengths in different areas, but overall we try to, we really strive to, you know, educate our staff on that. And it, it really shows a difference. Customers learn things. They're like, wow, I never knew that before, you know? And, you know, it makes us happy to know that Absolutely. we're actually doing something good. You have the products out on the floor so we can like, cause you know, that's a big deal. Like the dispensaries that are not trapped and I'm not gonna lie to y'all, I was doing trap for a long time. Cause I just felt like <laughs> it was way more, like, you know, we're going from me meeting a guy on the corner to like, you know, glass and lights and everything looks like an Apple store. And I just got so turned off by that. The whole commercialism of it, a product that unfortunately, as I said, I've been doing as a teenager, it just felt ridiculous. So I just appreciate the fact that you have the products out that you can actually put your face in and be like, oh yeah, I know that strain as opposed to this strain. That's kind of dope. Yeah, absolutely. What challenges uh, have you guys kind of, you know, it, it is since it's a kind of a male dominated kind of industry, what challenges have you as women trying to be in this industry? What have you faced? With, what are those challenges that you faced uh, being in the industry? Uh, so I do agree. It's definitely still a male dominated industry, even though, you know, people, women are getting more of a place at the table and in more executive roles. Um, but it's hard, you know, it started with, you know, I worked with a lot of the unlicensed dispensaries back in the day and the manager was always a guy and maybe there were female bartenders and it felt like as a woman, like they weren't taking me as seriously or they called me sweetie and hun and, um, some of that still persists now and you know just in the head roles with different companies that i deal with i'm still almost always dealing with men um in meetings or you know whatever it is and i do feel like we're still not necessarily taken as seriously which is a challenge or that you know i feel like sometimes i say things and it's like they don't even hear it um and and this isn't specific to cannabis either you know i know that it's not um but it's it's still i it feels like and especially maybe with things becoming like more professional and more licensed like kind of what kitty was indicating like that's almost led to more men being in charge you know as places have become more commercialized um so so i think it's a big challenge and it's exciting when you do see other women that are you know at the forefront of things um but there's still a big ways to go in my mind absolutely saida what challenges have you faced in that same realm oh man you know there's so many challenges in this industry being you know a black woman let alone but being a woman man uh <sighs> It's like, like Lauren was saying, it's a male dominated industry. Yeah. And I feel like I'm always tested more so my knowledge is tested. Yeah. Like if I'm explaining something to somebody, they think I'm not really being sincere or maybe so not telling the truth, like bluffing because I'm a woman. I don't know as much as a man. Would. Like what? I've had, yeah, I've had Wait, customers, customers, you know, like, you like that. Oh yeah. I'm not talking about like people I work with. The people I work with, they're great. They don't treat me any type of way. It's not like that. It's actual customers that think, you know, that they'll know more than me. And I'm not saying they don't. I'm yeah. just saying they'll try to argue me down. Like, oh, you don't know. Like, shoot me down right away before anything even comes out of my mouth. It's it's very common that, you know, women get women get tested. It's, it's sad, you know, that it's still 
I can like imagine that, how but. frustrating that is. Yeah, I can. I mean, and here's the thing. We know the stats, right? Like we know that we make supposedly six dollars, six cents to the dollar that men make. I don't know what the kind of stats or the numbers are in your industry because they're hugely different than other ones, I assume. But it is a sad state of mind to think that in 2022, we're literally still fighting for our right to sit at the table, especially when we have cut down many, many trees, thank you, Beyonce, and created our own tables. So like, I don't even understand where the pushback comes from, except that the, we've been conditioned to believe that somehow men are more dominant in every single space like James and I were just talking about this on the last podcast I was like yeah because a man came in and you know he spoke with his chest he sucked all the fucking air out of the room he told everybody <laughs> what the fuck to do and then he left because that's what men do so it's good to know that there are women like you Lauren and Saida that are not only making a difference but making sure that your voice is heard and created I can't even imagine and, and they don't even think they're doing anything do they Lauren hey sweetie Come on over here, hun. Let me show you something. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. So you guys feel a little slighted sometimes as a result of that or no? I mean, like, Saidi, you said the people you work with, but what about the people that you have to, like, negotiate with and have meetings and stuff? Do you find that there's some kind of discriminatory attitude during those times? No, honestly, because yeah. the company I work for, we have, like, so many different races working with us. Like, it's mm -hmm. just there's no tension like that. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's none of that. So I can truly appreciate that coming from the company I work for because I've never worked for a company that was this diverse and, you know, yeah. this open to incorporating everybody's ideas. It's, it's beautiful, honestly. I know that's right. That sounds amazing because that's not, unfortunately, that's not real life, right? Like, I'm sure you have some stories as a black woman in this business, maybe not specifically with your tribe, but like outside of that where you've reached some kind of, I mean, experienced some kind of pushback. Is that Oh, idea? yeah. Oh, Can yeah. It's like a little brief anecdote with that. Uh, working in a trap shop, you know, the culture of trap and corporate is so different. So mm. trap shops, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, anything goes and how they're ran and who they're ran by is, is kind of how like you're ran as a person. Mm. And I feel like women are really exploited in that specific type of shops, like those types of shops, like. You know, they're encouraging us to dress real slutty and, you know, to, you know, show cleavage and, you know, show our boobs. Oh, let your ass hang out, whatever. But it's that's not the move. You don't need to do all that to sell cannabis. And I feel like that's that has been the take that I've had with trap shops that I've worked in. And I didn't appreciate that. So, you know, the crossover to corporate cannabis is so much better because it's not like that. You know, they actually have a lot of women running the game and saying like, hey, yeah, no, we're not going to operate like this. We're doing things differently. And yeah. so. And Lauren, do you have any little anecdotes that you want to share that maybe there was some tension there? You know, we know the, the, the bullshit that we de deal with on a daily basis. I can only imagine in an environment like that, how it might be challenging. Yeah. So I have three male partners in my business, like the co-founders and um, something that happened pretty recently. So I was on a tour of a new property with my business partners. We were meeting the owner of the building and his broker was there. All of them were men. Um, the owner was older. Um, and so they just automatically introduced us as these are the three owners of the artistry and her, the wife of them. And, so, and I was like, I'm not a wife of one of them. And I also am one of the people, you know, that's a decision maker here. And that was just in their mind, what they assumed. And, you know, it made me so mad that they said that because that was just an assumption, clearly, because I was the one woman that would happen to be there. Um, so that's just an example. And, and oh. you know, a big part of the problem. That's is a that great example. Wait, <laughs> yeah. Lord, let me take that one in. So yeah. was that like a knee-jerk reaction that you were like, I'm sorry, excuse me, excuse, wait, wait a minute before we move on? Or did any of your partners stand up and be like, this is nobody's wife? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, they definitely, I don't even know if they like realized that, you know, it Of course was not. What am I saying? What, what do I think that there's some guy that will come in and swoop in and save you? How dare I? Not that we need saving. I'm just saying, you know, I love that. So you probably was like, I'm sorry, wait, we don't need to move forward yet. Right? <laughs> yeah it was like oh i'm actually also one of the owners of the business um oh, i don't know why <laughs> yeah but it's just it's just a thing and it's hard because there's not a 
there's just so many men, right? So there's like a different energy when that happens. And I wish, you know, I, there could be just more women, you know, in the room involved with things. Cause I feel like there's a a great perspective that we all can bring and that's super valuable. And our customers are half women, right? So yes, we are. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah, I couldn't do it. You're well, I mean, obviously I fight this in my own industry. I think we all do. It all makes sense, but let's be clear like i am such a this mouth you know it's a work in progress so i think that i would come in like over the top on purpose like i would show up in like a full-length fucking mink and like some ridiculously high heels and just be over the top like you know what i mean just so they can make assumptions about what they have no idea and then come in with like this amazing business plan and like speaking you know total cannabis speak I don't know. I just would try to make them look stupid, I guess is what I'm saying, before they can even open their mouth. <laughs> now, is it just more white men or are there some black men? I mean, do, do they treat you differently if they're, if they're white or black? If you know you're going to go to a meeting with a white guy, you're going to be like, oh, you know, he's going to just be so ugh, creepy. But, you know, maybe if you meet a black man because, uh, you know, he, he, he understands it a little bit better, I would say. Is, is that something you've uh, come up against? Yeah, because they could get hanged if they talk to a white woman incorrectly, so they know better. Oh right, Lauren? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're pretty with it over here, girl. We we real with it. I think. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's definitely still more like white, and, and with like things becoming more corporate. Um, unfortunately, that's been like one thing that's happened. Um, you know, in our company, we really have a very diverse group of people and across like our store managers at all levels of the company. And that was something that was very important to me personally. And so we strive for that. But um, I think maybe what you said, like, I don't know if white men are a little less respectful because they just have more of the mentality of, I don't know, you know, not taking women as seriously. I think what it, that's what it comes down to. Saida, has that been your experience as well? Again, I, I we recognize that your uh, team is some badasses, but like outside of your team and in the industry as a whole, I'm sure you guys have conventions and all, all kinds of things that celebrate all things cannabis. So when you attend these things, do you find that white men deal with you differently than black? That's a, I know they do. I'll answer for it. No, I'm kidding. Tell me <laughs> what your experience has been, because I know for me, yeah black men be like what's up girl like they get me you know what i mean before we even get into it and white men are very much like oh there's a person standing here oh well how are you oh yes i've definitely had those experiences uh it's it's definitely a white male dominated industry and you know what they don't talk about is how hard it is for people you know for minorities to do it legally and how it takes years to obtain, you know, some of these licenses. And I think that that's some of the issues with, you know, that's why a lot of the corporate cannabis is run by, you know, white male stills because it's very hard for, you know, people of color to obtain these things. But I've definitely had those experiences, you know, where I talk to black vendors and they're like, oh, hey, like, you know, we would love to be in your store. And it's it's just a comfortable, a little bit more comfortable for me versus talking to like, white males it's just a little more like straightforward here's my card uh call me great okay and you know i just feel a little more of a connection with people of color when i talk to them you know it's just different they the the approach is different Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe the approach from white males is still a little timid like maybe they're a little scared to talk to me or whatever the case is that's so funny i literally was just in listening to another podcast where this is completely unrelated but the way that the people addressed her is she spoke that very same thing that she feels like you know the thought that somehow we're all the angry black woman and that we can't be approached or that we'll be you know ready to bite your head off if you come to us like they find these conduits or like you know go-betweens like hey can you go over there and talk to the girl and give her my card like why would you think that I'm here as a professional too? Like you could talk to me. Right. I, do, I think that's very real. And Lauren, wouldn't you agree? Like, I think that's in any social setting though, right? Like, and it's not even a bad thing. It just kind of is what it is. You go to a wedding and maybe a black guy marries a white woman. So all the black folks is over here doing anything and all the white folks is over here, you know, sipping there. No, I'm kidding. Being a little <laughs> more, you know, calm and cool about the whole situation. Do you find that that's the case? I feel like when we're kids, we don't do that at all. And as adults, we're just like, hey, stick with your kind, right? Like, that's easier to deal with. You know those folks. 
Yeah, it's true. And I see it with my kids, which is actually a great thing to see is they're in school, you know, they go to public school in LA, there's people of all different colors and backgrounds, and they make no distinction, right? Like, it's just a person, they're hanging out with whoever they want to, they're talking to everybody. Yeah, Yeah, and it's like, uh, I don't know, as we get older, maybe because things were a little different when like my generation was growing up, but or people in LA like did tend to grow up in more segmented like neighborhoods and stuff. Um, I think that white men, you know, just make these assumptions in their head that they're not saying out loud, which is why you experience the things that you're talking about where they maybe don't feel comfortable approaching you or, you know, don't know how to connect. Don't you find that amusing to some extent, the fact that they're intimidated or that they don't know how, as if a black woman is going to say something different than a white woman would like literally or a person, fuck a woman or like literally I'm in the business that you're in. We do exactly the same thing or we need to link in order to profit from this product that we both sell. Why wouldn't if you see my numbers, you know what I mean? It's almost like. Saida, I'm sure you can all your life, right? Like you knew going into a job interview that there was going to be already a thought in their minds as to who you are simply because your name is Saida. And rarely do they, you know, are white women named that. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like your whole life we have to kind of prep just like in any other instance um, with women in general, but then specifically black women where we kind of get got to get ourselves geared up and create this... Um, I guess like a cocoon almost where we have to protect our hearts because somehow they're intimidated by us. You know what I mean? Like you're the ones that come in the room and slap down the document and say what you're going to say and then fucking storm off. Shouldn't we be intimidated by that? But in fact, they act like we're the scary ones. We're the ogres. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think it's funny. Saida, did you find it a lot harder to get like permits and all this other stuff? Was the state, you know, making it a lot more difficult for you as a, as a minority to um, to try to get the business up? So that specific part, um, I wouldn't have taken part of. Um, but what I do know is that our second location, when we were getting ready to open our second location in Westwood, it was um, taking a little time to obtain permits uh, for reasons I do not know. But I know that, you know, our the company is a public trade, so there's a lot of different people in there, you know. So I don't know if it had something to do with money. I really don't. I couldn't really answer that question. Lauren, what about you? I mean, when you get... When you were getting the business up, was it um, was it a challenge? I mean, again, I mean, you're you're a partner, a woman partner, but uh, what were the uh, what were the challenges you guys faced when you were trying to you know finally when it was legalized and all that kind of stuff, getting uh, getting everything to, you know up and running? So it's incredibly difficult to get licenses and go through all the permitting and construction and things like for anyone trying to start in this industry. But I think I don't know if it was Kid E or Saida who said it earlier, but. But especially for someone that, you know, maybe doesn't have the experience or the funding behind them. And this is where all these social equity programs kind of like fall flat because it's like they're giving them the ability to first get priority for the license. But then how does that person actually are how are they able to open a business? Like either they end up finding a corporate partner that like maybe isn't the minority social equity person that the city intended um or you know they have a lot of challenges because it's you have to have an attorney and all these consultants and be able to pay for all that just to get your state license and then to go through building plans and permitting and have to pay rent on a property for years before all of that's finalized i mean like this is a frustration i face because i deal with a lot of that for our businesses and so for anyone, you know, the cities and the state are making it very difficult and expensive mm-hmm. to try and open these businesses. And I wish there was a way that they could realize that and make some real changes. But then especially for, you know, people of color or social equity, people that qualify under that, it, it's like it's not reasonable. Like they're not thinking about long term. How can we really assist these people? Because if they're just saying, "Okay, you're first in line for a license," well, that doesn't get you to opening up your shop. And in LA, you know, things are extremely expensive. Um, so I, I, I totally understand what the challenges are, and I, I think 
something needs to change because there's this disconnect between like the idea and the concept of it and then really making it accessible to people. What if the federal government like legalized it? Would that pro- would that bring it would that make it easier for you guys or, or no? It would make it easier and less expensive on things like taxes, because right now there's things we can't deduct from our taxes. Um, we have to pay huge premiums to have a bank account because it's not federally legal. So we can't go to like Citibank or Bank of America. We have wow. to go to the special banks. Uh, credit cards, you know, we can't accept or or we have to charge these huge fees. Exactly. Um, so- the one I go to charges me three effing dollars every time I go. And I'm like, I got to find a better place than this. Cause yeah, it's like, but it's, it's not them. It's no, the, I know. Yeah. I recognize. They broke it down for me because, you know, my smart ass. I asked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, what am I paying for again? What's happening here? Like the weed is already exorbitant in my opinion. Yes. So like I have to pay a fee on top of that. Why? Just to use my card. And they're like, it's like an ATM, but we can't make it an actual ATM because it's cannabis. This bank doesn't take. They all broke. I was so grateful. I was like, thank you. That's literally what I wanted to know. Where's my money going? So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, but it sucks, right? Because the consumers are suffering also taxes, right? Like you're paying, exactly. what, 30% above the cost when you yeah. go to shop. Yeah. And so there's no reason why the state should be taxing this as heavily and so much more so than any other thing. Well, like we do alcohol. know the reason, don't we, Lauren? The bottom line is always money. So the fact that they've dipped mm-hmm. their fingers in and made it legal for us ah, means that they're going to get the big cut. Yeah. But we knew that going into it, right? Yeah, but now it's like not making sense, right? Because companies, you know, aren't as profitable as people think that they are as a cannabis business. And it's getting to the point where it's really hard for a lot of people, whether they're growers or retail operators, to really like be cash flow positive with all these added expenses. Got it. Let me ask you a question that is going to get a little dicey. So everybody buckle up. It's all good. We're all love here. But I have to know, speaking from both sides of the spectrum, as in a black person and a white person, when it and this is this is kind of the inside joke in our community, in the black community, that like my cousins and them, you know, Pookie and them still locked up <laughs> for like a dime bag that they sold on the corner 10 years ago. But the white man comes in as soon as this is legal and we got med men and cookies on Melrose and everything is shiny and bright with the bright lights and a, hey, look at us. We've got cannabis for everyone. You know, and now these white men are like becoming gabillionaires and my cousin and them won't get leniency for a dime bag. Like the, the disparity of it obviously infuriates me, but I'd like to know if that's something that you, is anything in your company designated towards repealing that kind those kinds of convictions or somehow ingesting because it sounds like lauren you guys are yes. very invested in your community like do you guys create anything that helps the little man or the people that are minorities that should not be facing the same uh, facing very different um consequences as a result of being involved in this game saida yeah yes yeah. so um for my dispensary we have a huge mural in our parking lot on the side of our parking lot. And it says no one should be in prison for weed. And that was by Classics, a brand that we support and have in our store. But we also um, support the Last Prisoner Project. And, you know, that donates to all the people that are incarcerated right now because of cannabis convictions that they've had. So um, we're very serious about that. You know, a lot of us have had family members or a lot of us Mm -hmm. currently have family members that are locked up, you know, because of something like this. And we just don't believe that it's fair. And, you know, we just we want those people to know that we're fighting for them, you know. Amen. Lauren? Yeah, so we do a lot of um, charitable things for, you know, organizations for a huge diverse group of people, whether it's uh, members of people of color, and we donate to organizations like the Black Justice Coalition. Um, We have exhibits. So one way that we do it is by showcasing artists from really diverse backgrounds. Uh, And we have had, you know, Black artists take over the whole space um, several times. Um, We are featuring a lot of different ones um, at any given time, really. Um, and then, you know, other, you know, minority groups too. We actually have a really cool event, which I think I should mention. It's an organization called Unite. Um, and it's a group bringing together women of color and also uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, and we're having this panel 
next weekend on September 24th. Um, it's like a networking mixer event at our lounge space. Um, where there'll be people talking about cannabis and wellness and, you know, how it's helped them if they, some of them have had mental health issues. Um, but the organizer is amazing. Um, so this is something that's been in the works for a while. Um, you can find out more on our website. Um, but these are the kind of things, especially because we're in like such a huge diverse community within LA. So, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff um, programming wise. And then we do also a lot of donation campaigns where it will be, we donate a, sale, a portion of our sale proceeds during a certain period of time. Uh, so we're just trying to help out, you know, different groups. Cause I do really realize like the disadvantage that some people are having, whether it's in this industry specifically or just, in general, and that it's important for us as a company to try and help in some way. I'm so empowered. I'm glad I started my day like this. Like I'm not high on nothing yet, but I just feel so good. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. It just makes me feel good about something that people have attempted to make me feel bad about my whole life. You know what I mean? So it's like a celebration of something like the world we live in today, everything seems to be explored in a different way. People are interested in actually mental health and moving the needle forward in a way that encompasses us all. And, you know, people are quitting their jobs literally because they're like, yeah, I don't like the way you talk to me. So I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, but I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this bullshit. And I just think it's so important that cannabis be in those kinds of conversations to help people not only take the stigma off and, you know, normalize it, but to understand that the real components of what make it such a great plan and how it can be used effectively and not abused. I'm just sorry. My endorphins are going crazy. This is a great sound. Cannabis still has that, you know, shady kind of thing. It's not like alcohol, like, you know, where that's, you know, very socially acceptable, where now cannabis is be getting there eventually. But do people perceive you as kind of like shady or, or like kind of like, why would someone do this? Oh, I want Lauren to answer that. I know all your white friends are like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're in a bubble in L.A., right? So to all yeah. of us, like, weed is, like, very normal. And we're used to places being around for a long time where you can just go in and shop. And, you know, a lot of people in the industry. And so here, people, when I tell new people or whatever, you know, they're not shocked, right? They're like, oh, where's your store? Like, yeah, of course. But, you know, I have a lot of family members that at first were very against this whole thing and said, I, you know, I had an uncle who had this whole thing where like he didn't want me to come over because he totally wasn't in support of cannabis. And I have a lot of family on like in the Northeast that's like, uh, you know, they still view it as something bad that shouldn't be legal. And I don't think they realize like what a complicated and sophisticated industry this is right now. And you know what we're doing here. So I think we're lucky, you know, to be in California, Absolutely. Um, where it is a huge a part of mainstream culture, really, at this point. Um, but outside of here, I think opinions are very different. So does your family think it's you're a bad influence on your kids then? Because that, you know, you're, you're in the industry. With the uncle, with, did he think you was going to come over high and like give the, yeah. the death, you've blown them guns? Like what is happening? <laughs> People oh, just don't know, right? Like they think, I, I loved what you said at the beginning, Kitty, where James was like, I hear you use it now and then. And it's like kind right. of people have to like pretend. Tip like, toe, right? Oh, I like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, but, no, bitch, no. I go in. Yeah, and that's that's fine, right? Like it's yeah, legal. Like we're adults. Like there's nothing wrong with using it every day or using it whenever you want to use it, right? And so people are just kind of ignorant of like what it means to be yeah. a smoker or cannabis user still. And, and you I can do it safely. Because they don't understand it. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Lauren. Please okay. uh, finish your spot. I mean, a uh, sentence and I'll come back. No, no. I, I, I think I was good. Okay. Go so ahead. I was just saying that in addition to that, when people don't understand, obviously, when anyone doesn't understand anything as humans, I think our brain just defaults to, well, I have to make it up. If I don't understand it or I don't know enough about it, I'll just create whatever my narrative is based on the little knowledge that I do have. And so I think a lot of people associate it with uh, alcohol and somehow see it as irresponsible if you like do it during the day or like, you know, d do it while you drive or I mean, you know, the government say don't do that. So I guess that's not the smartest thing. But you know what I mean? Like there's social settings where people will definitely side eye you. But all day long, it's OK to make like literal pottery at fucking home goods that says it's one o'clock somewhere 
or like, you know, way yeah. right? like the soccer moms. Be in my right side today, be at the game with their little tumbler. Mommy juice. Girl, come out this water. Bitch, stop it. Still to the brim with your best Merlot. Who you think you're playing with? But like, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, that's supposed to be cute. That, oh, girl, you coming over for wine? Wink, wink. That's mommy juice. And five o'clock, I got, you know what I mean? It's totally like, not only is it acceptable, I feel like they're kind of shoving it down our throats to make us believe that wine is like this elixir, right? That's completely okay. Whereas how dare I come to the party smelling like a fat ass blunt? Like, I just think that that's ridiculous. <laughs> I saw something that called Kitty Kush. You know, I lost my shit, right? Like I had to buy a thousand of them and keep all of the little, <laughs> I don't know who makes the strain. I have no idea. I'm so gratuitous. I just wanted it to have my name in it and I loved it. But my point is that that's like a side eye. That's definitely, I have a very good friend. I'm sorry if I was off on tangent. Real quick. I have a very good friend and I love her to death. And I feel like I can talk to her literally about anything. But the minute I say cannabis, I can just feel the energy change. And it pisses me off because she's so liberal and so understanding of everything else. I'm not trying to convince you to smoke with me, ma'am. I'm just saying I'm high right now, just so you know. And like, I don't need you making me feel away. Like I'm not any different than I am when I'm sober, maybe funnier, <laughs> but overall I'm still kitty. So like, I don't, it bothers me. It's my point that it's such a like, you know, thing. So you have yeah. in your experience as well, where people side eye you or make you feel uncomfortable simply because you're in this business or have judgments about that. You know, yes, because, um, you know, I'm also in the entertainment industry too. And you know, everybody smokes, everybody drinks, whatever, but, Yes, uh, luckily I have hippie parents who, you know, accept it and they're like, yeah, okay, it's cool, but you know, just don't abuse it, whatever. And most people, like most of my family, they're older. And so they look at me kind of like, like, why are you, you know, why do you smoke? Like, that's yeah. not ladylike, or, you know, you shouldn't really be doing that. And there's this stigma again, you know what I'm talking about? It's not hey. ladylike. Well, who said? Who said? But. You know, that's so, so crazy, I've that right? That's not ladylike. Yet the, again, the wine thing is it, but that's okay for you to be stumbling down the steps with your two-year-old. You know what I mean? Because you got mommy. <laughs> Like, make it make sense. I'm over here. Killing. Well, I just think it's social c conditioning, Kitty. I think exactly. eventually, eventually, cannabis will be more acceptable as it becomes more popular, and you know, people and more people use it. The more information people have about something, the, the 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 better they'll understand it. I mean, where do you guys see the industry going now? Do you see the industry prospering or getting you know uh, better in the coming years, um, or just or or they're going to have to be more political um, kind of uh, maneuvers to to actually get this to be something that's really successful? So I will. What where I want the industry to go is to have more consumption spaces because I feel like that's where it, once that happens and it's like there's these public venues, whether it's like a concert stadium or it's, you know, a place like ours where people can go and smoke out in public openly. And it's okay. You know, it's just an alternative to going to a bar or restaurant. That's when I think it will reach a lot better social acceptance. And the problem now is that there do need to be legal changes, like you said, because most places in the whole country, even in California, are still not allowing lounges. Even the city of LA doesn't allow it right now. West Hollywood is one of the only cities in all of California. And even that, it's been very limited and you know, who's been allowed to open. Um, so for me, I feel like having legal consumption spaces where people can come on site. I mean, it's crazy to me that it doesn't exist more because now it's 2022. It's been four years. It's legal for adults, um, but, you know, there's barely anywhere to go and do it. And there's bars everywhere and liquor stores and all of that. So I, you know, I'm really advocating for that because I think it's important to Yeah, let's get into the Amsterdam minds. way of living. Let's, let's, yeah, let's go to like an Amsterdam way where we will know that going into it, we're going to have people that know their shit, right? They're well-versed in the, in the business. They're not just giving us anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. They understand it. They can explain it to us and they can help us understand how many grams is reasonable for us, right? Because James, honest to God, when you've had the kids, I don't know that this has been your experience because I just give you the weed and you do what you want with your edibles. But like, have you mm -hmm. found that sober where you might get a little irritated with those three delicious baby girls when you have like a five little milligram, maybe take a half a bite of a of a um, edible, one edible. Don't you feel that you 
tell the truth, a better parent. Like you're more calm. You're more willing. Oh, I'm def I'm by far um, more calm. Yeah. I, that's kind of one of the reasons I don't do it when the kids are up because I, I you know, as a, as a parent, I want to be on, on, on point, you know, anything can happen with three kids. Um, so I, I do feel when I do do, you know, and I do have my, uh, my audibles, um, I'm, oof, I'm like really calm and my reaction time to certain things. My reaction oh, time to yeah. things is, is okay. a little bit slower. So um, I just, that, that's the only thing. And, and if something happened to one of my kids, I would never hear the end of it from my family. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you, you, you caused it. You, 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 you know, that negative stereotype. And again, it, it might not have been caused because of the, uh, you know, the, the edibles. But, you know, the, the edibles were a factor. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have to deal with that shit. And I just don't want to do that. I'd rather just kind of do it right after they go to bed. And then I can enjoy the evening uh, and not, you know, again, I'm not going to be doing it while they're up and around. So it just doesn't uh, doesn't benefit me at all. I get that. I'm not, it's not like I'm ashamed of it, no, but I, I just want to be on, on my on point. Well, it's a good thing my baby father decided to skip my whole child's growing up because I was high shit and I was a better parent. I feel like, honestly, I was more present. You know what I mean? I had way more patience with him. I wanted to play games for hours. Whereas when I was sober, I was like, we're playing the choo-choo train again. You know, whereas I would be on the floor for like two hours. Like, what are we about to do now? You know, it's always a good time. So again, I'm not advocating that anyone do drugs with their children. I don't look at weed as a drug because of course I don't but you know what I'm saying I'm not advocating I'm saying for me personally it was a game changer in terms of how I dealt with my son and like how much of it and that's the other thing would you ladies agree that a lot of people are misinformed and oh my god I had an ex y'all one time we went and this fucker does not smoke at all and he decided he was going to get a big old brownie I'm like fine buy the brownie but when we get home let's like cut it up and it's a hundred milligrams like let me show you do 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 I take a shower, y'all. I come out. This fool has eaten half the brownie. Mind you, he doesn't smoke ever. Okay. So I'm like, Bruh, I told you, let me help you. So you already know. 30 minutes in, he's walking in circles. He climbed on the bed, y'all. It was doing little circles like a doggy before it lies down. And just kept being like, you got to take me to the emergency room. My heart is beating out of my chest. I was like, no, fuck you, sucker. Because I told you to let me help you. And now you so damn high, you can't even think straight. And he was like, I'm going to die. It was so funny, y'all, honestly. But have you experienced that where people come in there and just like, just give it all to, I'll eat the whole cookie. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I used to have this edible company and people, oh, that's right. we would tell people like, look, this is strong. Like eat, you know, a third of the bag, eat half of the cookie and people don't listen. They but don't I, I want to touch on what you said and kind of what Jane said, because I also, I have three kids. Mm. They're, you know, they're young. And um, I think like, I, you know, people have this misconception. I think still that like, if you have weed, you're like so out of it, you're so high, like right. there's not a responsible way to do it. And, yeah. um, you know, especially now there's so many like microdose products or yeah. you could see exactly what it is. So like you can have your five milligram or 10 milligram or whatever thing, which to me is like, no, you know, more it's, uh, incapacitating than the wine that exactly, you're talking about. Exactly. Thanks. Right. And so like, it's a, you know, if people are doing it responsibly and just reading the labels and stuff, like there shouldn't, you know, if they want to do it when they're with their kids or not, I, I don't think they should be judged any different way because, you know, there's ways to use it where you're, you're really maybe just more focused or more relaxed, like you said. Yeah. Saidi, so has that been your experience as well? Um, I personally don't have kids, so <laughs> I can't speak on the kid part of the experience. Right. But as far as the whole like like you're saying like the stigma still towards it that it's bad because i do have a lot of friends that do have children and they do you know consume cannabis um i think it's kind of becoming more popular with parents because they're saying like okay yeah i can't pound this beer and i can't be drunk or whatever but maybe if i take a little piece of this i feel good but just enough to you know stay afloat and still manage so exactly. i think that it is a wonderful thing and i think it is a great alternative to alcohol because it is a little bit more controllable. You know, you learn, you're not just gonna ah, take the whole thing. Like we have customers that come in all the time that, you know, oh, I want some strong edibles. I have a high tolerance and, you know, I'll give them these edibles that are hash and rosin infused and they're like, oh yeah, these aren't gonna do anything to me. And then they come back like, oh, I was so messed up. I don't know what was going on. Like, yo, that oh, that's so common. 
Baby, that hash ain't nothing nice. I love it. Listen, I have the grinder that's metal. So you know how you like, you I've grind it and then you get the weed, obviously. And then at the bottom is the resin. Ugh, I live. Like I keep it, there. I try to hold on to it as long as possible and then make that like a whole blunt. Forget about it. A good movie on a Saturday, bitch. <laughs> Feels so amazing. Hey, uh, Saida, in terms yeah. of like trends, where do you see the industry going? Um, you know what? Honestly, I see the industry becoming more female, honestly. Nice. I've noticed a lot of female brands are starting to pop up. A lot of female dispensaries are starting to pop up. And honestly, I'm here for it. I live for it. I just want it to be, you know, properly taxed, which is the issue that we have, you know, is the whole taxation thing. And that's why in California, our black market is still low key driving because even the legal farmers, you know, they're selling a majority of their harvest just to be able to pay the cost of, you know, the testing, the 30% of whatever they are testing. So it's, it's one of those things that I hope they figure out all the, you know, technicals of it. But as far as it growing as an industry, I do see more, you know, minority owned dispensaries. Let's hope for that. And, you know, more women owned dispensaries. So that's where I definitely see it going. That's awesome. Love How about you, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I just think there has to be a shift on the government level to to think about reducing the startup costs of a business, right? Because the black market is thriving here in LA and in other parts of the, uh, in California. And it's kind of crazy, right? Because like there aren't other industries with this huge black market, but, but it's because it's like hard to make money and pay your bills if you're a grower and you have to pay taxes and the testing and you can have another way to sell it. Um, and it's the government's like missing the opportunity, right, to have more sales if they were just to lower things like the annual license fee pay to the DCC or the taxes or the having to get tested, you know, making all of those things less expensive. And that's what's going to open the door to more people, women or people of color being able to actually start businesses. Absolutely. An election is coming up, the midterms are coming up, and say Republicans basically take over the House and even the Senate, and God help us, in 2024 they take the presidency. Do you think if it's a dominant Republican uh, administration, do you think it's going to be, is, is that the end of the industry, you think? Because they're just not going to do anything to help you guys out? Uh, well, most of what I was talking about is on the California state level and with all of the crazy, you know, fees and taxation that we face. So I think if there's a Republican majority on the federal level, it's definitely going to hurt the chances for wide scale legalization. Um, but fortunately, we are in this bubble where I don't think anything's going to happen as far as, you know, the industry not being fully legal as it is today. But that's in California, right? Yeah, but and yeah. yeah, but in other places, I mean, they still don't have. It's like I'm. I always forget, right? Like, oh, there's I do no dispensaries when I go travel somewhere. Like, what, girl? The funniest shit. I was talking to my bestie. She lives in Atlanta, and I was just like spewing my, you know, 2022 hippie vibes with my chakras and my crystals and my. And she was like, "You do know if you drive five minutes down the road to the OC, this is not your life." And I was like, "Oh." That's a good point. Like, I'm so in the bubble. You're so right, Lauren. I do tend to forget. And I'm from Washington, D.C. I go home as much as possible. It is legal there. But I wouldn't, like, we don't have, it's not a dispensary on every corner as it is here. It's definitely not as celebrated or accepted as it is here. And so I do get a rude wake, um, awakening. Like, this is not, you know, worldwide spread. I think because you are ensconced in this line of thinking that you assume that, but all you got to do is take your ass to, like she said, the OC or just like deep, deep, deep in the valley. And yeah, you'll see the difference 100%. Yeah, I was talking about Valencia, right? Which is right. like not far. It's and how they have like no dispensaries. Everyone's like super against it. And I was like, what? Wow. Like you're like, I live in the valley. So I'm like, this is like half an hour away, but it's still like this total different mentality. That's crazy. Now, like what do both of you like to enjoy? as far as cannabis goes? I like to smoke, honestly. Um, I like flower. One of my favorite brands is Clade 9. We sell it in our shops. It's absolutely wonderful. I, I can't even explain it. It's just something like everybody has to try for themselves. But I mostly consume flower along with some edibles. And then I do like topicals, you know, because I do have arthritis in my wrist from typing. So, you know, topicals are cool too. Uh, Sweet Release, CBD, THC, the one-in-one -one cream. That's always a good go-to of mine. Lauren? 
yeah, so I like flower, but I also do end up doing a lot of vapes because uh, because of my kids, really, because it's like a more discreet way of doing it. So I do like raw garden um, that are like really clean with live resin in it um, and edibles. I do like the ones that are more hash infused, like Pop and Barkley just created a new PMB kitchen line. Uh, I find like they are more potent. And so and they also have more of the terpene flavor, which I like. Um, so those are things that I use pretty regularly. Now, this again, this is another question for both of you. If there was anything you could change about the industry, good or bad, what would it be? The, well, all the legal regulations that we have to go yeah. through. Like, it's ridiculous what you have to do just to get your state license. And that's every year. Even if you have it every year, you have to reapply. You have to pay this exorbitant fee all the reporting, all the taxes that we pay to the cities, you know, in LA, for instance, there's a 10% city tax on top of the regular 10% tax that people pay when they shop for anything in LA and the 15% excise tax. So that's huge. Um, and there's so many things as far as like getting your building permits and all of the things they make you do that are way more difficult than if you were opening some other type of business. Um, and it's, it's, they make it very hard and very expensive, like I've said. And so I wish cities in the state would kind of be more practical about all of this and realize that they should be helping people instead of putting up these barriers. Tata? I would definitely have to agree with what Lauren said. Um, just the whole startup and, you know, how hard it is to actually legally obtain a dispensary. You know, it's just, it's a challenge. And, I don't think that it should be. I think it should be a lot easier. A lot of people are interested in this and it can really benefit California. You know, I can't really speak for other states, but California alone, it could really benefit us most definitely if we changed some things, you know, and made it a little easier for people to obtain that. Your clientele, I mean, I, you know, you both have uh, d different styles of stores and stuff like that and locations. Now, obviously, Laura, you're in, uh, Lauren, you're in uh, West Hollywood. What is your, I don't know, what is your typical clientele? Is it uh, professional? Is it hippie? You know, uh, wh wh who, what would your typical customer who, uh, can, you know, goes to your store, what, 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 what's their profile? So we have a store in West Hollywood, but we have a store in Koreatown. We have a store in Riverside. We have a store in Fresno. So those are all, you know, very demographic. So, you know, the West Hollywood store does have a lot of local people that live right around there, but, but we get people from all over the city of LA. So it's really diverse. We get people of all ages. We do have a lot of older customers, you know, like 50 and older that come into our store because they feel really comfortable and we provide a lot of customer service and education. Um, we have all of the, you know, 20 to 30 year old, like what you might think of as the typical stoner demographic. And then we have the professionals. So like, I wouldn't say, you know, even though maybe somebody would think of us as uh, more on that, like Apple store model, but we really try not to be that. We really try to have a personality and be welcoming and have a super diverse team on board so that anyone coming in will feel comfortable. Um, so it's, it's anyone, which is why like, you know, cannabis is so amazing and why people should be more accepting of it. Cause it's really any type of person now that can consume it. And there's so many different types of products. So it's really, I, I love seeing like, even in the consumption lounge, like we see a lot of older people come in and it's so cool to me. Um, it's like a grandma with her friends or something. And it's like, not what you would think. Right. But these are people that are also interested in coming to consumption lounge. And Tita. So for my, so as far as my dispensary, um, you know, we are in North Hollywood and specifically in the arts district. So you can only imagine we get a ton of creatives. We also get tourists. Uh, we do get a lot of older people, you know, but everybody that comes in is typically local to the area. And, you know, they're just, they're intrigued because of the style of the store. That's what intrigues people. You know, we've been um, on the internet people see our layout and they're like, wow, like this is real. Like, is this a real place in North Hollywood? No, couldn't be. But yeah, so our clientele is very diverse. Um, we get all different walks of life mostly creatives like I was saying because it is the art sisters so a lot of artists you know a lot of actors and you know a lot of professionals too that just want to be low-key and don't want anybody to know hey I'm picking up my weed so it's pretty interesting you know the people that we meet in that come into the shop and like we say we'd love to meet you so kind of interesting 
Would you, I mean, as lady, uh, as women, uh, would you like steer other women, younger women, or, you know, uh, as far as um, a career in the cannabis industry, would you, uh, would you highly recommend it? And if so, um, why? I would, I would highly recommend it because Honestly, if you encourage, I feel like women encourage women, you know, if we encourage other women like, hey, I'm in this industry. Yeah, I had to work hard and it was hard for me. But come on, you may have to do a little bit of work, but this may be a great industry for you because you are as passionate as I am about the products or whatever the case may be. So I do believe that I would encourage other women to, yes, join the industry, you know, gain knowledge, you know, learn everything you can and use that to your advantage. Lauren? Yeah, I, I agree with what Sayida said that like we almost have to like do that as a, a responsibility to like help, you know, if we want more women in the industry, then we need to find a way to encourage people to enter the industry. And so it is a it is a fun industry, right? Like I feel like I've talked about some of the downsides, but at the end of the day, like we're lucky that we get to work in this realm and it's constantly evolving and changing. So that makes it fun too. It's, you know, things are always getting different. There's new things happening. And so it's different than other industries, you know, that are more established. Um, so absolutely, I would tell women, I, I would make it a point to like educate people that this is a viable career path. Cause I think that's where like people don't realize now that there's a lot of opportunities here. So what is next for um, the artistry? What are your big plans for the next, say, five, five to ten years? Uh, so we are going to be opening a store in Oxnard, um, hopefully next month. Um, and we're going to open another store in Northern California. Those are things that are already under construction. And, you know, we know that's happening. Um, we want to open another consumption lounge in West Hollywood because we have the license to do that. Um, so that would be awesome. Um, and then, you know, maybe ultimately it would be awesome to also expand out of California because um, there's places like New York where they don't have legal dispensaries yet. Um, and it would be cool to bring our brand there because, you know, with the art focus, there's such a great arts culture in lots of different cities, not just L.A. Um, and so we could really have a lot of fun in other places. The, the future of the dispensary is is kind of big. We're opening up another store in Hollywood. And then I know there's plans to open up uh, several more stores, including stores up north, Northern California. So hopefully we can get that going and do something with that as well as we're going to be throwing events uh, starting soon, like starting like maybe in a month or so, we're going to start throwing events for the dispensary. Now, Lauren, I've, I've been to your store uh, and I think it's great. I love the way it looks. Um, now, do you guys, when you open up new stores, do you theme them differently or is it just the same theme, just in a different location? We follow the same kind of style, right? Like interior design style with the tables that you can look at all the flower and shelving and that kind of thing. But then the art is always local and that really actually changes the aesthetics of the space. So we might have a mural somewhere from a local artist like in Riverside in our lobby um, or just things that are on the walls and on our freestanding easels. And then with the buildings, Rio Town store is is what I think really cool because it's this historic building with this beautiful vaulted ceiling and it was probably built in the 20s and so we maintained a lot of that architecture so you'll see in the showroom this cool it feels like really old LA space so we do try and preserve those elements and you know respect the different areas and the local architecture but then on the interior we also have a lot of the same elements it's 520 southwestern so it's on Western in Koreatown, like just a little bit north of Wilshire. We have a huge mural on the outside of that building too. So, you know, you can't really miss it if you are driving down that strip of Western. Shada, what about you? Um, is, it, is there a design influence into the stores uh, for any specific reason? Absolutely. So, um, like I said, the North Hollywood store is specifically in the arts district. So the plan with all of the bodega dispensaries are we kind of evaluate each area and from there we try to find you know a popular rural street artist that can come and paint on the side of our building some kind of design that you know um inspires them and it kind of inspires our customers because they're like yo i didn't even know what this was but i seen this amazing artwork on the outside of the building 
and it kind of draws people into our building. And so like we have the classics mural in our parking lot. And then, you know, in our Westwood store, we have a mural on the side of the building as well as our Franklin store that's getting ready to open soon. Um, we have murals over there, all inspired by different street artists in those areas. So it's pretty inspiring to actually let them create their art and, you know, vibe with cannabis and kind of put those two worlds together and let the, let people know, you know, there's more support than what we think. Listen, That's I want to thank everybody for showing up today. This was an amazing show. I knew it would be, but it did surprise me with some things that I was not aware of. So I'm super excited to learn more from Lauren and from Saida at Bud Tinder and at Artistry. I will definitely be coming by um, to learn about your strains and what it is that you guys offer. And just big ups to both of you ladies for coming into an industry that is absolutely male dominated and kicking the fucking door and taking names. That is badass and I love it. I plan to support you. James, I'm sure you're a supporter as well. We'll get James oh, yeah. doing all the, all, the, all the little things, ladies. You know, that I think I might just have a, an edible right now because the kids are at school. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Don't y'all believe that at all. He ain't about to do shit. Because them kids come home and he's going to be scared out of his mind. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> at any rate, we are really grateful to have you guys spend your time here. We know you have a lot of things to do. So thank you so much for carving out this time with us. And yeah, again, I learned a lot and I will be visiting you guys' shop. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is called Talking Black and White with Kitty Kaboom and James. I'm sorry, producer James. That's his original. Okay, so everybody, please, Lauren, Saida, share where people can find you on socials and your address of your dispensary, please. So you can go to theartistry.com or at theartistry on Instagram. Um, we do have three stores in LA um, on Beverly Boulevard in West Hollywood on Santa Monica and on Western in LA. And then we have one in Riverside and one in Fresno. Nice. Miss Aida. So you can find our dispensary on the corner of Lancashire and Hesby, 5041 Lancashire Boulevard, North Hollywood. Um, and yeah, you can find us on socials at bodega.ca. That would be for Instagram. I want to say Twitter and for, um, TikTok. So can follow us on that? Social. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like they're going to spell it bodega. <laughs> so it's B U D E G A. Got it. Bodega. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Bodega. Awesome. So thanks again, you guys. We really appreciate your time. And this was awesome. Have a kick-ass day.